0: Let, just let me know she's trying to get it scheduled right away and I said there's only three days in this week and next week they'll do it okay. because it's the holiday. Okay, that's, she, that's recording so well, maybe I should call her. <coughs> I to her about it but she didn't ask me so. No she just asked me <coughs> she just called me and asked me if I could take her. And I told her I'd be happy to take her. And then she found out it was going to be like a three or four hour procedure. And then I said, Barbara, I knew. It's it's considered a, a surgical procedure. They have to put you out. They have to put an IV in. I woke up while they were doing mine. And they told me, just hang on. It's almost over. Good morning. I started this early for Carol. I see you're there, Carol. So I'm going to sit here for a while, wait for a few people to get on because I have the introduction I want, I'd like for everybody that's listening to it today will, can hear me. So just be patient and I will start here in a few minutes. Hello Ann Sue Michelle, glad you're here. Carl with Anne, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Those of you are just now getting on, I'm just waiting for a little bit for more people to get on. I've got uh, I just I don't, I don't wanna start this without uh, most of the people here in the introduction that I'm gonna give on it. So I have a lot to say today and I hope I can get it all done. Don't want to go too fast. Who is that from Oklahoma City? I I didn't see the name. We need more people on here from Oklahoma City. I know Douglas is from Edmond. Hi, Doug. Hi, Kay. Always glad you're on here. You can back me up for whatever I say, so please do so. (laughs) I'm always calling Kay, asking her about something the evening before, and so do you concur? So it helps me for that. So I'm wearing my OU shirt today. Our team won the Big 12 championship. So I was very proud of them. They started out a little bit slow, like all of them did. So all right, well, we have several here. So I'm going to go ahead and start a little early. Uh, we're glad you're here and, and uh, hope you're enjoying the Christmas season. Christmas is coming up this Friday, I guess. And I know everybody's got a lot of plans. And I uh, hope they're including being with family. We're going to be with our family. so. We're going to have Friday night, we're going to have a, or, or actually Thursday night, Christmas Eve, we're going to do build gingerbread bread houses and have a contest with everybody and have snacks and then we're going to have our Christmas lunch on Christmas. So we're all looking forward to that. I don't normally uh, do uh, uh, teachings for occasions like Easter and Christmas and things like that. You know, I used to for years, but I've always just stayed with what I'm, Uh, the series that I'm normally teaching, but I had several people ask me uh, after what I taught about uh, the word virgin uh, several months ago, uh, wanted to hear it again and hear a little more clarity from it. I'm not sure I'll get to that today. If I don't finish this today, I'll finish it uh, I guess next weekend. But uh, one of my favorite songs that I like to listen to at Christmas time is Mary Did You Know? And I, it's a beautiful song, and I like to listen to it by the Pentatonics, And so I put it on there, and I hope all of you listened to it yesterday or today. But as I was listening to it the other day, I just really felt the need to talk about some of these statements that they, that these lyrics make, like Mary, did you know, and asking those questions. And today for this teaching, I guess I'll call it a Christmas teaching, I want to talk about the symbolism behind all those questions that were asked uh, that, uh, and, and really to show the spiritual meaning of the physical stories or physical beliefs about Jesus' birth and things that we've been taught all of our life. Uh, I certainly believe that uh, Jesus was appointed to be born in the hour that he was born. I believe he had a mandate on his life and a mission and a ministry. And as I've said many times, I believe he was the greatest of all uh, comforter messengers if you would that was here to give people a message here to help people help to free people and uh, we're going to talk about that also I'll be talking about this uh, prophet that supposedly prophesied about Jesus's birth in the book of Isaiah every one of us have heard that I believe uh, all my life I, I believe that uh, Isaiah prophesied of Jesus is coming and if you listened to me before that's not correct and we'll show that either today or next week and then again uh, talk about these details about Mary I'll we'll talk about the word virgin and then who really was Emmanuel uh, and we were always taught that Jesus was named Emmanuel but his name was not Emmanuel in the English they put his name was Jesus and I'll show you what his real name was at that time uh, last night, when I was in bed thinking about all this, actually in the middle of the night, it's almost like uh, the Lord was preaching to me. I heard myself preaching or teaching, but uh, Father began to speak to me. And one thing that we need to realize: that the story of the virgin birth basically was only told, uh, used. It was only used by Matthew and used by Luke. That word "virgin," it wasn't in the other gospels. And Matthew was using the wrong reference again. He was using Isaiah. And then we find Luke tells the story of Joseph and Mary, but he doesn't say the word virgin. He just he, he says he uses the word uh, maiden, m a i d e n, and so again people have to realize that the Bible uh, is that we have today is written in English, and they did not speak English back then. There were no words in English back then whatsoever. They spoke Aramaic, they spoke Greek, and they and of course the Hebrew. And so there's a very big uh, uh, opportunity for that alone, for wrong words to be chosen. And then, of course, translations and everything, too. But uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not know Jesus at all until he was over 30 years old. Have you ever thought about that? The way people talk about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they think that they would, they would think that uh, they were with Jesus all through his life, but they wasn't. They was only with him in his three and a half year ministry, and not even quite three and a half years. And so they were thought, I was looking up, their uh, apocryphal writings and accounts show Mary to be about 12 to 14 years old when she was a spouse to Joseph, and when she gave birth to Jesus and uh, these disciples uh, were anywhere from 13 to 30. There's no mention of their age in the Bible, but historical writings and all that say they were around 13 to 30, but again, they did not know Jesus at all from his birth until after he was 30 years old. They did not know Mary, they did not know Joseph, they, weren't, there were, they were not eyewitnesses of these stories. They were eyewitnesses of his earthwalk ministry and they listened to him and heard him the best they could. And so, as I, as I said, Luke is the only one that really tells the story of Joseph and Mary. Uh, Matthew takes something out of Isaiah and he thinks, or he wants it to be, or whatever, he thinks it's talking about Jesus and it's not talking about Jesus whatsoever. And so we're gonna be looking at the phrase only begotten, which I've talked about before, son of God, Emmanuel, virgin. And of course, if you listen to the song, Mary, did you know, they're saying, Mary, did you know your son would walk on water? Mary, did you know your son uh, would save our sons and daughters and make you new and deliver you and give sight to the blind, calm the storm with his hands, walk where angels trod? Uh, Did you know that when you kissed your baby, you would kiss the face of God and uh, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, that the dead will live again. The lame will walk, the dumb will speak, the praises of the lamb. And then it said, Mary, did you know that Jesus is the Lord of all creation and heaven's perfect perfect lamb? And then they say, someday we'll rule the nations, and they say someday. And then they say, the child that you're holding is the great I am. So I want to go through all those and explain to you the other than physical meaning of that, which mean the spiritual meaning of those things, and also whether they're true or whether they're not true. Uh, Jesus said that in Scripture, it says Jesus said he was the way, he was the truth, and the life. He said, I am, in English, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the truth of that matter there is the phrase I am is I exist. So there's a big difference in him saying I am. In other words, if I'm saying I am, I'm implying that I'm the only way and I'm the only truth and I'm the only life. And that's why people say there's no other way to father but by Jesus, right? We've heard that all of our life. But, you know, that can't be possible because we are already with father. We are one with father. We know that. So what he was saying, he said, I exist this way. And what I would say, if, I, if Jesus said, I exist the way, I exist the, the truth, and I exist the life, then I would ask myself, well, what am I existing as? And sometimes we need to ask ourselves that. What am I existing as? Because the truth is, we are the way to, we exist. We should exist as the way. What? The way that Father created us to live. We should exist out of the truth. Jesus said that the truth will make you free, cause you to experience your freedom. And the word truth means the not concealed word. So if we, if we, uh, we exist the way and we exist out of the not concealed word, then how else are we going to exist? We're going to exist in the light that father got brought for us. So there are lots of things that people use in the Bible that really cause a lot of confusion and they are sacred cows and they cause us to still live in this mindset that we're less than Jesus and we're less than God. We're less than the Holy spirit. We're less than Mary and we're less than Joseph because they've been made icons or they've been made idols. And in the Christmas story, almost everything in that Christmas story has been made some kind of idol or something sacred. Like if they could find the manger that Jesus was laid in, I promise you it would be in a place where people could go and bow down before it, right? If they could find the end, the actual end that he went to, it would become some kind of holy place. I mean, that's something about man that they have to have some kind of physical thing or physical statue that they can bow down to and and worship. And if Jesus was the only way, the only truth, and the only life, then we would never get healed or anything else unless we could find Jesus, right? right? And that's basically all people were looking for when Jesus came because they were bankrupt. And so, yes, he healed people. Yes, he, healed, he, he brought people's physical sight because that's all they wanted and that's what they came to him for. But he was coming to, for a much greater healing. And he was coming for, uh, to heal a, a, a sight, which was a spiritual sight. It was an awareness sight. And so repeatedly, uh, Scripture over and over and over has all kinds of mistranslations, like the one where it says that he was the only begotten son of God where it really said that he was the only one at that time that stayed in his original state and it says he was a son of god every in scripture where it says son of god it says a son of god so we are a son of god or we are a daughter of god there's really no gender at all whatsoever so the first question that they ask in that song is mary did you know and i have just the fan going only i don't have the heater on so mary did you know your son would one day walk on water and with that, we have all kinds of people really wanting to try to walk on water. Wouldn't it be cool to walk on water? You know, I have I tell you how for years I've dreamed about flying and I would see myself flying, whether well, sometimes I've dreamed and I've seen myself walking on water, you know, because that's something that's been projected into our minds. And when we saw the, uh, the shack, they showed Jesus walking on water. And so what we do is we major on what we would call the miracles because it would be an absolute miracle to us if uh, we three went out here and uh, Norma just starts walking across the pond. You know, it's like, whoa, look at Norma. She must be somebody really, really special, you know, to be able to do that. So it would seem to be miraculous. But we all know the story of Jesus going out at night. He took a walk on the sea. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? And of course, uh, he came towards the disciples in the boat, and they saw him, and they were troubled, and they were afraid, and they thought he was some kind of supernatural spirit, you know. But basically, he was a supernatural spirit, just like we are a supernatural spirit. We're Damions. We're supernatural spirits, and we do not have a bad character. Now, we do have things that go on in us that don't represent who we are, which is sickness and disease and all that other kind of stuff, if you would. But Jesus learned to function out of a supernatural conscience. So The physical story of Jesus walking on water is not the real meaning of what Jesus was revealing to his disciples. In this instance, Jesus walked on the water. The water was a sea. It was a sea, right? And water by itself pictures the living word. But when you see seas and you see tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, like a sea or whatever, and a river, if you would, in the Bible, it represents the great mass of thoughts that conform to the environment. That makes sense to you? Thoughts that conform to the environment. The environment around us right now, in the, in the physical sense, is very unstable. The political environment, the financial environment, the medical environment, the social environment, and the financial environment is very unstable, right? And it kind of makes it very difficult to walk above all that, <laughs> if, if you would. And so Jesus was uh, revealing something to to these disciples. And uh, as I wrote and taught previously in this series, every thought leaves its form of consciousness. It leaves its form, and it, and it, it leaves a form, excuse me, of consciousness. So whatever you think on, whatever you dwell on, you literally project that, and it also causes fear. And so when Jesus told Peter, come on out and walk to me, what was he dwelling on? The water, right? The, the turmoil of life, if you would, and the fear. And according to scripture, in the beginning, he began to walk, but then he began to take his eyes off of Jesus, he, and he put his eyes back on the the turmoils of life, and he began to sink into that. And that's what's going on in the world today, particularly, and I can't say that I haven't done it myself some, but with what's going on in the political arena, it's, it's really... Uh, really been scary in the financial. And a lot of us have have great opportunities to put our eyes on that. Everybody, if you're on Facebook, there's not a day goes by that I don't get 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 messages on Messenger with videos. Watch this video, watch that video, watch this. And they're all pretty much saying the same thing. you know. And so I'm not saying they're not true, but I don't wanna get my focus just on that because I'm gonna sink into that. And that, and that when allowed, when I bring it into my thoughts, into my vision, into my hearing, that literally affects me. So Jesus was showing them that you can walk above this. Uh, so, so what happens is uh, thought leaves its form in the consciousness and, it, and all the weak, the characterless words and expressions gather in the subconsciousness and in and, and our mind. And it's like water that, water that gathers into holes, if you would, and it just fills it up. So when we get discouraged or disappointed and we give up, then there's this undertow of life that sweeps over us and literally floods our souls, and it makes our body weak. And we don't understand why sometimes, why do I feel so bad? You know, and they're telling us today, there are many people depressed today and there are young people who are depressed because they can't go to school. They can't see their teachers' faces. They can't uh, commune with their family. And, And even though you don't think they're hearing it, they're hearing it from their parents. The TV's on all day long and they hear it and they're hearing their parents talking about it. And so it's overwhelming to them. Well, Jesus walked above that water and he possessed no consciousness of bodily weakness and he possessed no consciousness of limitation. That's why Jesus was able to do the things that he did. He was not limited because he did not have a consciousness of that. Uh, Donna, how many times have you said in your life, I can't do this or you can't do that? You have most a lot of people have and I don't like that about Donna saying that and I always tell her don't say you can't do this but we all have these little idiosyncrasies. I guess that's a, a word that we do and we say and it becomes an habitual habit but the truth is when we say that we we limit ourselves and we put ourselves in the realm of limitation you know and I always joke with her she says you can't return that and get your money back I say you just watch <laughs> you know, or whatever, because I, I, there's something inside of me that wants to prove to people that, yes, we can. We can do any. There's nothing we can't do because we have contact with our Father and contact with our Father, hey, Mia, it's good to see you. Contact with our Father is, is, the, is the ability to do all things, and Jesus said we could do that. So Mary knew that because she was instructed how to raise Jesus. She was instructed to raise him. With the knowledge that she was given by the messenger Gabriel but even before that Mary was instructed by the scenes. it may be after that but she went out into the desert and she was instructed by the scenes and if you haven't followed me here they were they were a, a part of the uh, pharisaical group the, the jewish religious system you had the pharisees the sadducees and the scenes and the scenes were mystics a mystic is somebody that seeks spiritual truth and that's what they were after so they got away from the religious establishments, if you would, and they went out in the desert, and they begin to study the scripture and other holy writ to understand Father God. So she knew that he could walk above the traducing waters that flooded chronically mindful people's minds and thoughts all the time. And he can live out of the living water. So John 4, 10 signifies the inspiration of the Spirit, which is our life. And in Revelation twenty two seventeen we read this, he that will let him take the water of life freely. He that will, let him take the water of life freely. And that that implies that some people won't. Right. Some people don't it's want to hear the choice. truth, huh? It is a choice, and many many people are happy where they're at. For some, as as Doctor Phil, the psychologist, I guess what he is, or counselor, he always says they're getting something out of it, or they won't be do- wouldn't be doing it. You know. So if you're feeding on uh, old religiosity, and you're feeding on things that aren't helping you whatsoever. Uh, I believe it was Einstein that said this, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. And so when we go through all this and we see where it talks about, we'll heal our sons and daughters and the blind and all that. Well, did Jesus heal all the people? No, he did not. Did, did he Did he restore sight, physical sight to everybody? No, he did not. He did to people that came to him, and most of the time he used it as a physical picture of a spiritual truth, but he didn't heal everybody. And so we're thinking, oh well then he's gonna come back later on and he's gonna heal everybody. But that's not what he taught. And he did not come to heal people of physical disease. He came to heal people of the cause, not the symptom. But because they couldn't listen, he had compassion on them, right? He loved them, and so when they came to them, he did heal them. And he did a lot of marvelous works, but that was not his mandate on his life. His mandate was come to to, to stop the mistaken identity, to reveal who we are, to reveal, reveal the Father perfectly in his life, and he did, and then to reveal that the Mosaic system was a, a carnal man-made law, and it was hindering them. And he came to do that, and he did it perfectly. So to walk on water which would be the C, represents mental potentiality. He's walking above the waters of life and he's walking out of the living word, if you would. And uh, Judy Vandenberg wrote a song several years ago after I did a sermon, walking out of who I know I am. I mean, that's what that means, that's walking out of it. If I had millions of dollars in the bank, I would walk out of that, right? That would be a physical supply that I could walk out of, that I can enjoy. In the United States of America, currently, and I believe we still will, we have a freedom. We have rights that are given to us by our Constitution. We have rights that are given to us by our Father. And I walk out of that, and I live out of that. If I want to get up and go to Arkansas, I don't ask permission to go to Arkansas. I go, because I have a freedom to go anywhere I want in the United States, right? And so that I'm just trying to show what it means to walk out of something. So the race thoughts, and when I say race, I'm talking about the race of humanity if you would. The race thoughts have formed a sea of thought and every race has pretty much their own sea of thought. They have ways of doing things and so we've seen that very much. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but uh, probably 30, 40 years ago or maybe less, we begin to get a lot of people coming to the United States wanting to live here. And all of a sudden, we have a lot more races than we used to have, proportionate-wise. I remember the first time Don and I went out of the United States uh, to, over in Europe. We came uh, through Miami, right, the, the airport there. And we felt like we wasn't even in the United States of America. There were so many different people, so many different languages, and they all have different thoughts that are formed in them from their birth and from the community they grew up in. So the race thoughts have formed a sea of thought And to walk over it safely requires that we have to have faith in the fact that we are a son of God and we are a daughter of God. We have to have faith in our Father's faith, right? Right. Because everybody has their own ideas. But I want to live out of Father God's idea, Mm -hmm. right? People form their own ideas. Yes, they do. They do. And usually it's from what they've been told or what they've been taught. So faith necessary to accomplish so great an undertaking only comes from our divine union with our Father. And it's a law. There is only one law. It's the law of spirit and life that was found in the one that stayed in contact, and that was Jesus. Jesus revealed that to us. We all have it, but Jesus lived out of it, and we want to get to the point where we, we, uh, it's, it's called the law of mastery in man. We can, we can master the situations in our life. We can master the earth because we were given dominion, which means mastership, and literally we, we can, but we, we can't, you can't do it just because I'm telling you you can. Right. You've got to know that Father said you can, and then you put faith in Father. Father would not have given us mastership over the earth if he didn't have faith that we can rule and reign over it, right? right. And so if one is to walk on the waves of troubled thought without sinking, then he or she needs to establish in the faith of spirit through constant contact with Father. And I'm, I, could, I could write a whole chapter on every one of these, but I don't want to, because I want to get this done. And I hope you're patient with me. I may end these and then go right back to talking about Son of God and Virgin, and I'll go on more and more and more. If I don't get it done, then I'll finish it next week. So this is, this is something you've got to do. To walk, I want to say it again, To walk on the waves of troubled thought without sinking, you must establish your faith and spirit through constant contact with Father. Is that good? Okay, next one is, Mary, did you know your son would save our sons and daughters? That's a big one. So everybody thinks that Jesus came to save us, right? The majority of the world. The majority of us did. If you ever went to church, or even if you didn't go to church because you heard it on TV, you heard it for preachers in street corners, you heard it from your grandma, you know, you need to get saved. The only thing wrong with you is you need to get saved. That's you know? all he came for in their, in their eyes. That's the only thing that Jesus came for. That's right. And they think that's the only thing that he came for. Who does? People, Christianity thinks, most of Christendom thinks all Jesus came for was to save us. But the scripture says he came to save that which was lost. And of course, ministry projects that to people. You were lost, and you were bound to hell, you know, and you needed to be saved. And, but that's, it said that which was lost, and that which was lost was man's awareness of who they were and, and their awareness one, of Father God. It wasn't just to one person. It was to, to humanity. All of humanity. They, they lost their awareness. They didn't know who they were, and they didn't know who Father God was. And for the most part, most people never knew because they were always taught a false version of father god and i've said this a million times you know we every religion has their own god every religion has their own idea of, of their god and what their god will do and what their god won't do and they have names for him baptist gods lutheran gods methodist gods, pentecost holiness gods all that so the major need was to correct man's identity which is the only sin there is a mistaken identity and remove that cause uh, which was the many teachings of religiosity. Uh, the Mosaic law produced a mistaken identity. Everything that we they were taught by most of their prophets produced a mistaken identity and definitely produced a mistaken understanding of Father God because they were always saying God said go kill these people. God said you have to be circumcised. God said Women, if you go through your cycle, you've got to go out of the camp for seven days. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so people believed that. And so, boy, they were serving a God that didn't love them very much. And they were afraid of God, right? Right. So religiosity was affected by mythology and paganism and the Mosaic law. Everything that you would call Christian today or any other faith that comes from Christianity, or Western Evangelical, I can never say that very well, Evangelical Christianity came out of the Mosaic law, if you would, and mythology and paganism, and it's deeply ingrained in all of that, and that's what's caused a lot of problems. It's influenced both. So we could say Jesus, the comforter messenger, that's who he was. He was a son of God, and he was the only son of God and his uh, uh, ministry and his, uh, that stayed in contact with father from birth until he died. He stayed in contact with father. He came to rescue their thoughts. The word save, if you look it up, it means rescue. And he came to rescue their thoughts. I still have thoughts that I need rescue, don't you? Everyone. Every one of us do. And so what is needed more than someone saving us today from God, which we don't need that, is to have a constant contact with our divine mind. We need to be safe from the stuff that's hindering us. There's a lot of stuff that's hindering us, is, is the things we watch on TV, again, the things that's going on in the world, what we dwell on, what we think about a lot, keeps us from being in contact with Father. My greatest, and I hear a lot when I'm awake, but my greatest time of being in contact with Father is when I sleep. Because my dreams, many, many times, last night, almost all night long, Father was preaching to me and teaching to teaching me and you know I, I wanted to say after a while for, for a little while I said shut up Roy and then I thought no this is father talking to me and so I listened in my thoughts and that's how father speaks to us is in our thoughts and so having constant contact with our divine mind is the bringing forth if you would or the birth of God's idea of mankind as a son or a daughter of God and this is done through this quickening power of as a living word of truth. Our divine mind, you can call it spirit if you want, you can call it holy breath. You know, again, the word spirit is a Latin word, so it really wasn't in the original whatever. In the original, it was breath, and that was God. So when when you read the living word, there's a real quickening power to that, right? The birth of one in contact with Father is the beginning in this inner realms of consciousness, and it brings us to this higher set of faculties that we've been talking about love and wisdom and understanding and thought and all that that we have and that's when we grow in full stature and that's what paul prayed that we would all grow in full stature right that we would really manifest and project out of us son of god or our daughter of god and then we save the whole man from ignorance we save the whole man from sickness and we save the whole man from disease we are a soul we are one we are one but we do have a body you know, and this body is supposed to be sustained by our brain, and our brain is supposed to be sustained by the divine mind, the source. But there's this unlinking that's taken place, and when we're linked, when it's linked together, we're one, right? Just like in a in a in a fellowship, if you're if you're linked together, you're one, and if you're not, there's all kinds of division goes on. That's why I never like boards in churches because they all have their own, most of them have their own thing that they want, their own. Own purpose and there, there's this constant fighting going on. That's all I ever saw was fighting. And that's really kind of like the, the body, the body fights all the time because it's not linked up the way. It, and that's why Kay's teaching the mind brain connection because man, when all that gets lined up and functions properly and we allow it to function, then then we're gonna realize that this body was redeemed the day I was born and it's redeemed now, right? And it's just how I've seen it and how I've allowed it to function. And we do speak bad of our bodies all the time. I'm getting old. My Yeah. Hurts. yeah. <laughs> so, so this birth is important. This, this birth is very important to us. The reason we're studying the 12 divine faculties in every person born a woman is why we, need, we want to understand that. We want to allow these faculties to function in us. And the number one is love. John is love, right? Love's right here at the back of the heart. It's just where love is, and love feels good. Just me doing this to myself feels good. Mm-hmm. You ever hugged yourself before? You know, we used to be told at church to reach your arms around yourself and hug yourself. You know, that feels pretty good, but for some reason, this right here, I don't know, when I do this, it's just it's an enduring thing. When If I look at you and do this, doesn't it mean something to you? Like, wow, you're making me, you know, I love you. It makes your heart full. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. So all these are important mm-hmm. for us. So Jesus' is saving or rescuing those he ministered to was with the dawning and one's conscious awareness of the spiritual man. He was trying to show people who they are and how powerful they are. And this is the real God, if you would. And Jesus was saying, this is the real God, the way I relate to you. And he prayed in his famous prayer. Jesus is, the Lord's prayer was John 17. And he prayed in that prayer, and he and he talked about how he showed the people the Father perfectly. He did the work that he was come he came to do. So any place we read where Jesus came to save the people from their sins, you find the real meaning to be sin singular, which is the mistaken identity. Mistaken ide- So sins plural again are the symptoms of the disease, uh, which is the mistaken identity. And the church, all they want to do with, deal with, is the symptoms. Correct. We, and Jesus came to deal with the, the cause, the cause. So, And then, Mary, did you know your child has come to make you new? That's another one that's very interesting. And many years ago, I searched scripture all over, and there's no place where Jesus said, I came to make you new. But people would swear up and down that he did. There is one place he said it, supposedly, and that's in the movie The Passion. And in The Passion, when Jesus is all beaten to shreds, and he drops on his knees, with the cross and Mary runs to him and she wants to help him remember that she would have a vision when she ran to me was a baby and then both places and he looked up to her in the movie and said mother I come to make you new but well, when you look at the script it says quoting the book of Revelation because in the book of Revelation and I'll read this to you there's a comment about that but with most people would funk the test if we said, did Jesus ever tell Mary, I come to make you new? Most people would say yes, because we just believe whatever's said, right? There's all kinds of quote scripture that's quoted that's not in the Bible all the time, quite often, it's not there. So if Mary were perfect in man's estimation, then they would Jesus then why would Jesus need to make her new? You ever think about that? If she was immaculate herself, which the Catholic religion makes her and she was better than we are, right? And she was, then why would Jesus need to make her new? We need to ask questions about that because that's the good way to study. And usually it's Father asking you those questions. The truth is she was perfect as we are perfect, and we never needed to be made new, ever. If you haven't followed No Penal Substitution, that Kay started and then I took it and studied it and taught it and wrote the book and Kay edited it and we wrote it together. You know, you need to get them. There's three volumes to that, and it'll help you understand that God never required us required us to do anything because we were bad people. There was never, never a need for appeasement from our Father because we were always holy, always righteous. No matter what you do or don't do, you still is who you is. You still are who you are, right? And so the only place you'll find the phrase all things new in the King James English version is Revelation 21 and 5 and the translators rearranged the wording. As I've told you before, much of the Bible was mistranslated and a lot of the Bible scriptures, the words are turned around to make them sound different. I was privileged to talk to a lady a few weeks ago in my neighborhood and she's a professed lesbian, very nice young lady, and she wanted me to, our conversation, she found out that I translated scripture. And so she said, well, whenever you find out where it talks about homosexuals, would you please tell me what it really means? And I said, I can tell you right now. And I told her about Romans, where Romans has a verse that talks about people from the foundation of the world, what they did, said men lusted after women, men and women after women. And then it said, and God gave them up for the, God gave them up for the lust of their flesh. And I said, when I looked that up, because I translated the whole book of Romans, it actually says, and they gave God up for the lust of the flesh. I mean, she cried, she smiled. She said, you mean God never gave up? I said, no, God would never give up anyone. You're still God's child, and God loves you unconditionally. You're still righteous, and you're still holy. That's the good news. But all through scripture, they rearrange words. So in this verse, it says, I make all things new. However, the Greek rendering, me and said, he that sat in the throne, who's the throne? We are, right? The Father said on the throne, behold, new. And then there was a period. And then it says, I make all things. So in other words, he's talking about changing their sight. The word new means afresh, afresh. So what he was saying here, this messenger was saying, you need to change your view. Remember Isaiah used to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. The whole world, I mean, uh, under the earth and speaking bad stuff over the earth. Then a messenger came and changed his speech. That's what it means by putting that coal on his tongue. He changed his speech so he could see afresh or anew, and all of a sudden he started saying, holy, 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 the whole earth is full of God's glory. That's what's been said here. You need to change your view, and you need to be seeing with your spiritual eye and not with a physical eye. And then it said, I make all things. In other words, Father made everything. Didn't he kind of say that to Peter when Peter didn't want to go to the Gentiles because he thought they were unclean? Mm-hmm. And then so Father gave him a dream and there's this big sheet come down with all kinds of animals, skunks, possums, slugs, <laughs> you know, things that we wouldn't want to eat. And he said, no, Lord, I, 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 I don't want to touch anything unclean. And Jesus, Father said, don't call unclean what I've made clean. And that word made was from the foundation of the world. He common, excuse me, common, same thing, unclean, common. And so that was he he created everything from the foundational world, perfect and beautiful and altogether lovely, and it never changed. They just changed their awareness. So isn't that interesting? Yes. We didn't need to be made new. Ever. And so I I found that very interesting. And notice there's a period after that word new. So the word new in the Greek is uh, uh, kalinos, and it said, behold something in freshness. In other words, see anew, and not the old way that you're viewing yourself or other people. I was thinking about that this morning. When Don and I go in and make the bed, we don't make a brand new bed. We just freshen it up by straightening out the sheet, straightening out the blanket, fluffing up the pillow, and making it look anew. It's fresh, right? right. And, but we're not making something brand new. So the verse ends with Father saying, I make all things new, and again, in the Greek, it's poeo, and it's to make or do or band together or cause to be, speaking of what Father projected out from the foundation of the world. Father is the cause of everything that we see physically in the earth, right? He's not the cause of bad things that's happened, The Father projected out and made everything himself perfect. Man took it, and man's the one that's degraded things, but Father still sees things the way he sees it from the beginning, right? Perfect and holy, and that's you. So again, we only need our eyesight changed. We need to take our eyes off of that which is physical and see it with our spiritual eyes, see it with us. We need to become single-eyed people that see things the way Father sees things. And I know people would say, but Jesus said to Mary while he was carrying the cross, Mother, I make all things new. I've already explained that to you. He didn't say that. That was just what they added to that. And a lot of things that the movies do, I, I never watch the movies to learn the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though some really good ones, they're just they're, they're filled with all kinds of wrong things. And I've heard preachers say that all the time, that Jesus came to make us all new, and that's not true and then why don't you come down and let him make you new. And then it said, and deliver you. Well, what did we need delivered from? The way I was taught, the way I was taught, I needed to be delivered from God. I hear music, must be in the Quaid's room. I, I, I was taught that I need to be delivered from God. In order to be delivered from God, I need to, I need to be delivered from my quote, sins, right? And so there was all kinds of deliverance ministries that went on. But when was I delivered from the foundation of the world, right? When was I rescued from the foundation of the world? Go check that out, would you? See what that is and turn it off. It's odd. So in my years, uh, most of my years in my younger life, I had a little understanding. I think so. I had a little understanding, I believe Jesus had delivered me from that version of God that I taught. God was so weak that he, Father couldn't deliver me, so Jesus had to deliver me that's that's kind of odd when you think about that too. You know if God is omniscient and all which is all powerful he's uh, he's all knowing, He's everywhere at once, and yet he can't he can't help me, you know. But he didn't need to help me as far as deliver me because Father had no ought against me. Father had no ill will toward me whatsoever. In fact, he said, "I, I know my thoughts toward you and their thoughts are good and not bad. And so we were taught, according to the King James Version, to pray what we thought to be the Lord's Prayer. Remember? And the last part of the prayer was, but deliver us from evil. Now, that's... That's English, first of all, and that's the translators. And so often our prayers and desire was for Father or Jesus to deliver us from what we saw uh, as evil. And we saw a lot of stuff in our own lives to be evil. We were taught that it was evil. It's thoughts again. Yeah, it's a thought again. So the word evil and the word wicked symbolize being restless. In other words, not entering into the rest of Father. Uh, So, Father provided that from the foundation of the world. So, if we think we need to appease Father, then we are not at rest. I can tell you, most of my life in a charismatic, Pentecostal-type church, I never was at perfect rest with Father. Not all. So, the following is Jesus' instructions of what our awareness should be. And this is the translation of what they call the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. That's where Jesus prayed and talked. Jesus was showing us how we should pray and what we should say. And so in Matthew 6, 9, 12, and this is my translation, it says, Father, we are one in perfect rest. Now, is that a prayer or is that an agreement? It's an agreement. agreement. Father, we are one in perfect rest. As you are spirit, we are spirit. Holy and pure is our nature. There is an agreement. Remember the verse... Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it actually says without faith, basically, and what Jesus came to reveal, it's impossible to agree with God. So Jesus wanted us to agree with Father. Your nature is apparent in and as us, agreement. Our righteousness was caused to be from the foundation by your determination, decree, and purposed by you, agreement, right? In the same manner from the foundation, it is eternally true of everyone continuing to agree with Father. That which is daily required is supplied. Well, people need to agree with that, don't they? Because they think, because their checking account is not full, that they're, they have no supply, or they don't have the right husband, don't have the wife, the list goes on and on. Our substance are bestowed day after day. That's agreement. I came to agreement with Father a long time ago when Father said, if you'll, if you'll stay in contact with me, if you'll let me be your source and you, you follow the mandate I have on your life, you will never lack the rest of your life. And I never had a concept there or a belief that that meant I was going to win the lottery. I, I never came home and told Donna, the Lord told us that we were going to inherit a whole bunch of money and it will last us all the days of our life. I just knew that day after day, whatever was needed was there. I agree with what Father told me. Also, you send forth our belief of needing to appease you. And in the same manner, manner, we send forth the sense of needing of others to appease us. That whole thing is called in a prayer. That's what I call it, a prayer of agreement. The other prayer that they give is not a prayer agreement. It's asking Father to do something for us all the time, and it's keeping us dumbed down. We're always less than. So Jesus brought deliverance. Excuse me just a second. Jesus brought true deliverance by revealing the eternal love of our Father. That was the deliverance we needed. We need to be delivered from our false thinking and understand our total, our, our total oneness with Father God. Never needing to appease our Father or others to appease us, that is rest. Uh, the other day I put a post on Facebook and uh, my friend Vicki Rust and her husband came down with COVID and they're over it now they had a tough eight days of headaches and tired but mercy hospital here in oklahoma city gave them a list of vitamins to take and it showed what to take when you if you don't have it and showed what to take when you do that will help make you better well i put that on facebook and facebook sent me a message that they blocked it which they didn't i guess they forgot to but they put a message on there that they blocked it and said it went against their community standards and it could cause possible damage or whatever and so uh, two days later, I get a, a notice from him that we were wrong, we're sorry, we reposted it. Well, one of my friends wanted to know if I felt vindicated. And I, I, I thought, that's a trick question coming from him. <laughs> and I just put, no, I didn't need to be vindicated. I just said, these things need to stop. But when I don't need to be vindicated, and I don't need... Uh, anybody to to tell me I need to do something to be vindicated from Father God or or somebody needs to do something for me to vindicate me. I just know who I am and I know who they are and they don't need to do anything. If you've done me wrong, you don't need to come and say I'm sorry. Now, I teach my grandson to do it because he's little. He needs to say I'm sorry for a while, but I know you didn't mean to. You know, all I need you to do is love me and me love you. And then, yes, I'm going to have Norman get up here and preach with me. <laughs> you do it for the other person. You do it for the other person, that's right. You do it for yourself. Right. And I have many times said I'm sorry when I didn't need to say I'm sorry because I didn't do anything wrong. But if you feel like I've done something wrong and you need to hear me say I'm sorry, then I'll say I'm sorry. So the next one is, Mary, did you know your son would give sight to a blind man? And as I've said earlier, everyone that came to him that needed healing, he healed them. And there were places that it said he could have healed them all, but they didn't come to him. But the real meaning of healed there, the really what he came to heal us from, is our spiritual sight, as I've already said here. So we know physically Jesus healed some, but the spiritual symbology of being blind is a tendency to go astray, or a fear of going astray, a fear of it, in one's first blind groping for the greater light and the true understanding. There are people... That here, what Kay and I teach and other people teach, in the beginning, a lot of them are afraid they're going to be led astray. I've had people tell me that. My own wife prayed for years. Lord, please don't let Roy lead us astray. And even with Brother Garner, when we first went to I Brother Garner. She still does. <laughs> but in a sense, well, no, if it's, a, if it's, I pray that myself. But if I have a constant fear if I have a fear of being led astray when I'm hearing the truth, then it's going to hinder me from the truer understanding. There has to come a time where you know you're on the right path. And I do. I'm not worried about me preaching the wrong, wrong information today. I'm not worried about leading you guys astray today because I am in contact with Father and I hear the voice. Many times I have gone down a path of study and looking for something and I realize, no, that's not true. I could have made it look true, and people would have believed me because they follow me, but the spirit the voice of God won't let that happen to me anymore mm-hmm. There's a check in my spirit so blind with father is blind with father is 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 a fear it's a fear if, what is that? That's all right, we'll just let it play music <laughs> so. It's a fear for a truer, I know this is not proper language, but a truer understanding. It's a fear for a higher understanding because it removes all that I believe that was sacred and holy to me. They're called sacred cows. And one of them is when I talk about the virgin birth. If you've never heard it before, it might, you might be fearful to hear that Mary may not have been a virgin. Whether she was a virgin or wasn't a virgin, it doesn't matter. That what, what does matter is we didn't need to be cut off from the original seed because the seed was pure and holy. We needed to be cut off from the thoughts, the belief system, the great lie that were naked, but we were still holy and we were still righteous. So, a person who seeks sight is a person who seeks greater understanding. They're mountaineers, they're forerunners, if you would. Like Donna said, forerunners are always attacked, and it's true. And these people signify a high aspiration, strong, and a noble, uplifting thought, and a seeker, of true light for spiritual understanding, which is the not concealed word. Most people are studying the concealed word. If you're just studying the written word, right, and if you listen to teachers that only teach the written word, and they only teach what they learned in seminary school from Matthew, Henry, and all those other then that really keeps the truth concealed because people are not experiencing freedom. That's the proof. If we're not really experiencing the freedom of and living out of who we really are, then we're still caught up with the concealed word and we want to get out of that. So Jesus came to help all people see. That's what he was He really, he didn't come to heal people of, of physical diseases. He really didn't, but he met them where they're at. As I've said before, I'm reading some books about the ancient masters and they function out of just like Jesus did tremendously. And there are some today that are still alive. And one of them was saying when we come into, they would go into a community and people started bringing the sick to them and all that. And the, 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 the people that was with them, that was learning from them said, why, why aren't they living out of that? And he said, well, we try to lift them up, that, but they won't allow us to lift them up because they, all they're worried about is they're sick. And so we meet them where they're at. And that's what Jesus did too. So sometimes people just refuse. And sometimes people willingly stay blind. And they say, if I'm happy. Like I say this all the time, it was good enough for my grandma. It was good enough for my mom. It's good enough for me. And they're, they're somehow or another, they're happy living in a much lower life. They don't think they are there, but they are. So being spiritually blind is a thought activity in the body. The body consciousness, as you would, that's wholly without interest in the things of the spirit. You know, like my uncle told me it was dangerous to study symbolism. I talk to people quite often and I try to lift them up and they'll say, I'm not interested. No, thank you. You know, I've been blocked, I'm sure, on Facebook and, uh, and that's fine. So how, what happens then, there's unfruitful in their lives and they're naked in so far as real life is. They, they, they don't, naked means no understanding, no awareness. They don't have strength. There's no wholesomeness, there's no substance and be, they can become barren and they waste away, that's what scripture says. In Revelation 3, 17 and 18, uh, it's speaking to one of the churches, which is the condition of mankind. And it says, and knows not that thou art, in other words, you don't know, thou art poor, blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, refined in fire, which is your divine mind, your divine nature, uh, that thou mayest become rich, which is understanding, with garments, which is our righteousness, if you would, that you, you may clothe yourself and that the shame of thy nakedness be not manifest. Clothe yourself in what? Understanding, righteous understanding. So Jesus healed a blind man by telling him to go wash after he put clay in it. I remember that story. He put clay in his eyes. He told him to go to, to a, uh, it's called the Siloam of, of the tower, which is a, uh, that river there. And Siloam in the Greek and Hebrew is a sending forth one sent our messenger. So go wash in the pool of Siloam means to deny, deny away. If you would the false ideas, deny them away, push him away. That's one of the things that we're going to see in the divine faculties of man. One of the last one is pushing away these false ideas. I've taught you before the word forgiveness. If you look that up several times, it says it says a pushing away. If you're faithful to admit that there's struggles in your life that you're dealing with. Father God is faithful to push those away and drive them away from you, right? And he will if you'll allow it. So we're to deny the universal race, race, uh, race belief and the reality of the power of only matter. We give power only to matter, that which we see. and But we don't affirm spiritual substance, and that's what we've got to do, is affirm spiritual. We must see things spiritually. So we can excuse ourselves from the spiritual feast by pleading the pressing demands of the cosmos, if you would. I'm too busy. I work. You know, I get so tired of people telling me, you don't know how busy I am. Well, we're all busy. You know, uh, I, I can think of three or four people that always, I'm, I'm so busy, I can't do nothing. I don't have time to go. Well, you're doing something and it's not bringing you any peace because you're always stressed out, right? Everybody knows people like that. And so they, they use that as their excuse and they don't observe the spiritual law of spirit and life. You're not experiencing life, then you must not be exer- uh, observing. There's a law of spirit in life in those who contact. And we saw it in the, the, the one who stayed in contact, it was Jesus. That's what the word Christ means. So if we do want to feed our souls, we got to feed our soul. that's who we are. We, we, we really good at feeding ourselves physical, right? physical things. What's Kay saying here? I see Mary as a metaphor which besides giving birth to Jesus, being a virgin consciousness, and us bringing the man child. And it says see more and I can't right now. (laughs) So we'll read that later on. But uh, so we, where did I go? Okay, if we don't feed our souls, then we can't be uh, surprised that we absorb all these physical thoughts that's always near at hand. There's always some kind of boat to take you away, right? There's always some kind of thing when you turn television on. Huh? There's always some some kind of storm going on. on. If you want to get involved in that, you can. I mean, every morning you get up, you turn the news on, there's something going to be on there that if you really focus on it, it's going to affect your whole day, your whole life. Next thing you know, you want to go to Facebook and post it, right? So... (laughs) If we do not invite the flow of pure substance, which is spirit, into our consciousness, then there's contradictory thoughts get into our subconscious. The thoughts of the race come in, right? And the feast, you feast on the natural life, and the subs of the body depletes its vitality. And there again, I say this all the time. People say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm tired all the time. You know, I have no energy. I mean, I say that with my body a lot. I'm not saying that's what, but we do do that sometimes. And we don't realize sometimes we're not feeding enough spiritually, right? And I used to say this all the time. Sometimes when you're looking for a movie and you can't find anything to watch, it may be because you need something spiritual. You may be looking in the refrigerator for something and you don't see anything you want. It's because maybe you're needing some time off with the Lord. And so we misjudge our desires that come to us. So soul starvation, how's that for a mm-hmm. phrase? Soul starvation and nerve breakdown go hand in hand. Yes. If you starve yourself of spirit, then it's going to affect your nervous system. And I taught you last week about this nerve fluid that flows over your nerves and keeps them functioning. And Kay talks more and more about what goes on in our spine. But if you're not feeding yourself spiritually, then it affects that because we are spirit and we must stay in contact with our source. Even though the contact is there, we must stay in awareness of our contact with our source. It's there. Yes. But if we don't pursue it, then we don't get it. Right. So when you feel a nervous tension, you ever felt that before, a nervous tension? Yes. You might know that your soul is starving and you need to feed it. Will I come and listen to a sermon every Sunday? Well, your soul needs it daily. Meditate on the word day and night. Then I constant, add the rest of the time do what you want. Yeah. We need constant reassurance. <laughs> yes. Talk to the, you know, if I went a whole week without talking to Donna, it would be, not be a good situation. There would be some very big misunderstandings or whatever, you know, and I would lack something from her, correct? Right. And then I go another week and another week and another week and it gets harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And that's why churches always have these praying Uh, praying through sessions and they have revivals and trying to store people up. We don't need a revival. We just need to realize that our source is greater than anything that the world can give us. And so you may know that your soul is starving and then if you don't feed it, the poor and the lame and the blind will be your portion. And that's not fun. So there must be a constant communion with the divine mind through true ideas, through prayer, which is conversation with Father, meditation. It's like I say all the time, if you want to know me, converse with me. Become part of my life and you'll know me. If you want to know the Father, converse with the Father. Realize that His life is your life and your life is His life. And again, I don't like to say the word His, but that's the only way we have explaining right now. So we want this constant communion through these ideas, prayers, meditation, and words. And this way, union is made Uh, becomes the indwelling substance that the whole soul can feed on. The entire body can feed on that. And the death will hear and the dead will raise again. The lame will leap. The dumb will speak the praises of the Lord. That's what that's talking about. Praise means you're telling the story. You know, I've said this numerous times. The word worship means ascertain and seek and desire to know. And then praise as you tell the story of what you learn. That's true worship and praise. You know, and I'm not against people lifting their hands up and singing songs, but that's not praise and worship. That's just singing songs and that's uh, having a time together with the body. And yes, it could become very emotional, but we need, to, we need something that's going to sustain us that's not based just on emotions. We need to ascertain and seek and desire to know our Father. And that's what we're doing here. So, uh, okay, I'm going to skip one. Mary, did you know you will kiss the face of God when you kiss your little baby? Well, Genesis 1, 16, uh, in the translation, I translated it, it says, it doesn't say, let us make man in our image. It doesn't say that. In the Hebrew, it says, saith God, become man as a representative figure in resemblance. resemblance of who? A father. And decided, declared and decreed, have dominion over which means mastership, and then it lists the whole, everything about the earth, man is to have dominion over, mastership, then verse 27, it says, so created God, man as a representative figure in resemblance, God created himself male and female to create himself in a body everlasting. So was Jesus the only face of God? Everyone is the face of God, everyone is the image of God. When you kiss your child, you're kissing the face of God. When you hug a friend, you're hugging the very body of God. And we've got to know that. I, I think that's short and sweet. I don't have to go into that very much. But we are the face of God. You were born the face of God. And when they if they have to end up putting you in a casket, you're still the face of God, right? And then Mary, uh, did you know Jesus would calm a storm with his hand? Well, did he calm it with his hand? I, I don't know why they put these lyrics and songs and things like that. And he calmed the storm. He didn't calm the storm with his hand. He calmed the storm by the spoken word, by the truth. He spoke to that storm and he and he used the word perfect, not peace. The word shalom actually means perfect. Now I know you'll look up in the beginning, it'll say peace, but when you study it out, it actually means perfect. And so what he did is he reminded the storm, you were created to be perfect. You only gently water the earth. You only fill this, the sea and the ocean up with gentle." gentle rains, and the storm ceased, and it just, it went back. All right, That's, that's all that took place. So Jesus bore a consciousness of peace and perfection, which protects the sight, the eyesight. If you have a consciousness of peace and perfection, and you know that everyone is at peace with God, and everyone is perfect, then when you see them, what do you see? You see them as perfect. And I've said this for a long, long time. We need to really practice seeing people as perfect and stop seeing them and saying something bad about them. Not, not, do not repeat how they project themselves. Re- repeat what Father God said to them. Look at those people. Those are wonderful people and have compassion to want to help them. And so what happens is this peace and perfection protects the sights and the thoughts to, and, and, from, and from across all the networks or if you would, the nerves of man it affects our nervous system right it allows peace to flow through us when i when i see you as holy and i see you as righteous then i can see me as holy i can see me as righteous it's very hard to judge somebody else bad without pointing those fingers right back at you right and it'll it'll almost make you feel guilty you may not admit it but i I guarantee it, it brings those thoughts to my well i did this and i did that and so it brings a self-condemnation on you, too. When you condemn somebody else, you condemn yourself because they're your brother, they're your sister. When you see me, you see you because we're all one. Yeah. So what he saw was not what the disciples saw when they were on the boat. He didn't see anything that made him fear. He didn't see the, the waves or anything. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I only walk on water when it's crystal clear and smooth. You know, he, he, it didn't bother him. And he was trying to show us. Everything Jesus did was to show something to us, to reveal something to us, but yet man was so bankrupt and they were so blind spiritually that all they could say, oh, Jesus helped us catch this many fish today. Oh, Jesus healed the blind man. And they wouldn't, he tried to teach them spiritual understandings, but they kept letting it slip between their fingers. That's why he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, which means a teacher and a leader and a guide or It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit, like we were taught, there is no the Holy Spirit, there is holy breath. We have holy breath, we are holy breath because God put holy breath in us. But he said, I'm gonna send you many, many more comforter teachers who are gonna lead you and guide you into the things that I sought to teach you. And he did. Apostle Paul, John, many, many, many other people that Father has equipped to do that. And so the disciples were in the boat and they were in a situation and they feared Jesus not fear the storm he spoke to the he spoke to the storm for it to conform to perfect to to perfectness is that a proper word no perfectness perfectness and so that's what we're doing we're speaking to the storms Perfection. in your life to conform to you being perfect whatever storm is going on in your life we say conform because you are perfect and you are holy and there's nothing you need to do to be that you just need to believe, All right? There were some questions on Facebook about believing, and I've been meditating over this in the last few weeks on belief. Believing is powerful. Whatever you believe, you project it out of you. And that's why people believe in devils, so they'll tell you they've seen a devil. I have a friend that's from Africa, and I try to show him what the word devil means, and he sees it. I show it to him in the Greek and Hebrew, but he said, yeah, but I've seen them. Well, just because a person is mentally ill, or because a person's doing what they're conditioned to do does not mean they're devil-possessed or they have a devil. You know, I've seen pictures to Africa of of tribes and they dance funny and they look weird. And Well, what happens if some really uh, prim and proper conservative church walks into a Pentecostal holiness church? What would you think? These people are devil-possessed. They're crazy, right? Because I grew up in that, and we did some pretty crazy stuff. You know, so I'm just telling you that, well... I get off that subject. Yeah. Mary, did you know your baby would walk where angels trod? What does that mean to people? That he's going to go to heaven and he's going to walk with the angels? Well, I guess if you believe in winged angels, maybe that might be true. But winged yeah. angels were made up by the Catholic religion. The word angel means messenger, right? You look it up in the Greek and it says messenger. They were people. Gabriel... Uh, and the other, I always can't think of Daniels and Michael. If you look them up, it says men. They were men. They either stepped out of the realm of spirit, like Jesus did sometimes, in and out of spirit, the visible to invisibility. And so they were either that, or they, or they were men that were there, and they were sent by Father God as as comforter messengers to give them a word to encourage them. And we see that all through the Old Testament, when it said the angel of the Lord, and we see Melchizedek, and many people will say Melchizedek is Jesus. I used to say that. I'm not sure. Uh, but they were messengers to give a message to somebody. And so uh, where did Jesus do that? Again, the, the uh, English word angel was not in the original script. It was messenger. Jesus called them comforter messengers. Jesus had comforter messengers in his life. In his 33 and a half years, he had comfort message in his life. His first one with his mother. His mother taught him. His mother, uh, uh, ancient books, ancient history reveals that Mary was taught by this scene. She went out into the desert and she was taught. She was taught by Gabriel. Gabriel came to her and told her what Jesus was gonna do. And he told her to keep him away from religiosity, from the Jewish system or whatever. And he, she took him when he was old enough to the scenes and they taught him. So he walked where messengers walked, and then he walked out of what they walked out of. He walked out of those people's awareness. They functioned supernaturally because they were supernatural, as we are supernatural, because they were mystics, and they sought spiritual truth, and they embraced the spiritual truth of the ancients. You know, there were many, many people, races of people, way before those people in the day that Jesus lived that had spiritual understanding. And so he was taught by the scenes. As I said, they taught Jesus. They taught Mary in her early years. And then later on, they taught Paul. When Paul was blind, blinded by the light that appeared of of, a father speaking to him, then he was instructed to go to this particular man, and and he prayed over him, and the scales came off from him, and then he went to the desert. The Bible says he went to the desert. Who was in the desert? Jesus and the Essenes. And they taught him. And I know that's hard for people, but I believe it with all my heart. I've studied it, I've I've talked to other ministers and they agree with me. So guess who else walks with messengers today? We do. I'm a messenger. I'm not telling you that I mastered it yet, but I am a comforter messenger, I'm teaching truth. Kay is, Butch Hodges, there's many ministers out there that are able to break down the word and explain to you the spiritual symbology and the meaning of Jesus' words and the living word itself. Isaiah 40 and 31, I like this. It says, they, and that I I paraphrased it and translated it, they that lean to the divine mind, which is spirit in scripture, shall renew their strength. If you're not strong in understanding and you seem to be weak in understanding, you, you, you need to renew your strength. You need to lean to the divine mind. Who else said that? The Apostle Paul. He said, don't be conformed to this cosmos system anymore. After he taught everything he taught in Romans and told him what Jesus revealed and what he did to do away the Mosaic law and everything else, he said, now, because of this, now that you know, don't be conformed to this old cosmos, this old religious way of living, but be transfigured or transformed by the renewing mind not the renewing of the mind but by the renewing mind and that's your divine mind that's the mind of god and it said they shall mount up with wings as eagles what is that they shall rise up and live out of their spirit if you would they shall run and they won't be weary they shall walk and not faint that's all these things pretty much that that song says jesus would do that that's us so by this inner awareness of oneness this limited The limited in thought and belief is put away. Any limitations that you have whatsoever in your mind will be put away and a great increase in strength and might will begin to be your experience. And then we can walk as master messengers ourselves and tread where messengers have trod. What does that mean? Do the things that they did, right? What did Jesus say? The things that I did, you will do much more. When is that going to happen? It's when the people start believing, right? That doesn't mean I'm going to walk on water. I don't want to walk on water. You know, Jesus didn't do anything for himself. He always did it to show something, to prove something. Now, if I tapped into my supernaturalness and there was somebody possibly drowning out there, then I would walk on water and I'd go get those people and pick them up and say, come on with me, you know. But you don't do it just, hey, let me show you this magic trick. Or draw crowds, and see, that's the problem, I believe. In the past, I believe lots of ministry have tapped into these things, but they used it to draw crowds. And it all was about come and see this man, come and see this man, you know, see what he can do, you know. And that's what they tried to do with Jesus, right? Come see, he, he healed the blind. He, he did that. That's not why Jesus wanted him to come. He wanted him to come and see what he saw and to understand what he was teaching. So the walk on the water of troubled thought was sinking Without sinking requires this establishment of faith and Jesus. Jesus is bringing us to the faith of the Father, who is the source of all and the source of our spirit. Then, uh, Mary, did you know your baby is the Lord of all creation? Well, is Jesus the only Lord of all creation? Who was given mastership over the earth? Man. Was Jesus a man? Yes, he was a man. Was he very much God? Yes. Are we man? Are we very much God? Yes, we are. It's hard for people to say that. Jesus gave thanks to Father as he recorded in Matthew eleven twenty one, 21, and he said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. See? So Father is Lord of heaven and earth, but then Father gave us lordship over heaven and earth, and the heaven is right here, and the earth is right here. We always want to think about the physical planet. But the first thing that we need to have lordship over is right here. We need to take control of our thoughts, and we can. We shouldn't be praying, oh father change my thoughts, oh father do this for me and father do that. No, he's done everything that he's going to do. He's provided for us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He gave us his divine mind. It says we have an unction of the holy one, and we know all things. That's That's the divine mind. We just by faith begin to tap into that and begin to live out of that. We know what's edifying and what's not edifying we know what thoughts we that's that's going to bring good and thoughts that's not going to and we can control that but the problem is that we sometimes just let our thoughts have an affair with carnality and we before you know it we're all bound up and we don't know what to do so uh 1121 he said that and he said he said again i thank you father the lord of heaven and earth so is Jesus, he is, the, he is the, the Lord of all creation, just like we are the Lord of all creation. Old Testament uh, number for this is Adon, and it says sovereign, controller, human or divine. But we're not just human, right? Nobody is just human. We're son of God, we're daughter of God. But it says Lord, master and owner. So who does this planet belong to? Us, right? The Bible says that we were given mastership or lordship over the earth. So Father gave all mankind that. And you know, again, I could go more and more, but I need to I want to get this done. Then it says, did you know your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? Well, first of all, father did not need a lamb. Now I know we can go in to talk about the lambkin nature and all that. He was gentle and he was peaceful and he followed the Father. Everywhere the Father told him to go, he, he obeyed the Father. But Jesus did not have to become the lamb for appeasement. Most people, when they think of lamb, they're thinking of the lamb that was sacrificed, right? So God wasn't looking for some perfect person that never sinned so he could kill him on our behalf. That, that's what we were taught, and that's what I taught for years. That's why I no longer put six steps to the throne on the internet. Paul's system of truth. As much as I, I valued all that, you know, I, I don't put that out there anymore because that's penal substitution. I've tried to change a lot of it, but it just takes way too much time, and I feel like I'm on the path that I need to be on right now. But it, he was he he was he was required by the Pharisees to die. That's who wanted him to die, not Jesus, not Father. I mean, not Father. They they had a law. Anybody that said they were a son of God, because it said they it said there he, he said. He was son of God, but when you look it up, it said he said he was a son of God, and they they would kill you, they they wanted you to de- dead, so that's why that happened. So he wasn't Father's perfect Lamb for a sacrifice; he had a perfect Lamb nature, if you would. And then one day rule the nations. Nations means the minds of man. Many years ago, I taught on all the words that end with nation, abomination. They, you know, there's all kinds of. Nations that are in people's minds, that their their brains, if you would, that cause great hindrances to them. But see, he it says uh, uh, Jesus will rule the minds of all mankind, either in life or death. So, all will know the truth. What Jesus taught will rule. What Jesus taught will rule. So, what is it rule? It, it's a power, right? If I have rule over something, then I have power over that. Well, if we could, if we could allow. What Jesus taught to rule us, our life would be completely different. So Jesus is not ruling. What he taught needs to rule. And there will be, there will be a day that all people will know what they will know, and they will understand who they are. Not just Jesus Christ as Lord, but they'll understand that Jesus was here to teach us truth and understand what he came to teach. And I put in there, and we will be glad of it. And the, and the whole creation will be glad of it. The creation is groaning for this manifestation to come forth. And then, Mary, did you know the sleeping child you're holding is the great I Am? So, there again, people say that Jesus was God. Well, Jesus was God, but Jesus was not only God. Everybody on planet Earth is in the image of God. The Bible says ye are gods. So, Jesus was God in the in the ordinary sense, right? They want to say that Jesus was God Almighty. That I mean, that's all he was with God Almighty, but he was a man, just like we are, but he was God in the ordinary sense, Elohim, and he ruled and reigned as God in the earth, just like we're supposed to rule and reign as God in the earth. And where it says the great I am, the word, the phrase I am always translates in the Hebrew and Greek to I exist. So, literally, every time Jesus said, I am, he said, I exist as that. So, we can literally say, I exist as Son of God. I exist as God in my body. Either that or I'm going to exist as some mere human, and I don't exist as a mere human. I exist as God. So, he was not God all by God's self. He was the image of God just as we are, and he glorified Father perfectly, and that's what he prayed in Acts. Uh, that's excuse me. That's what he prayed in uh, his prayer. He said, "Father, I glorified you." The apostle Paul at Mars Hill said, "God that made the world and all things therein, seeing the Father as Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands." So Paul was trying to teach these people that God dwells in you, God dwells in me, God dwelt in Jesus. The only difference in Jesus and us is Jesus never left his contact with Father. That's it. He was without sin, though. Huh? He was without. Well, what is sin, Donna? It's a mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. So he stayed in contact with his Father. Right. So we we the, the only sin that we have is a mistaken identity. And I today I can say I am without sin. No one can come to me and convince me that I am not. Son of God, that I am pure and I'm righteous and I'm holy. That's why the Apostle Paul could get to the place where he said, I wronged no man. The real me, who I really am, has wronged no man. Right, that explain that to you? So, you know, they wanna say he, he never lied, he never cheated, he never, well, yeah, I don't believe he did any of that, but the, the sin is the mistaken identity. Him knowing who he was kept him from having any of the symptoms. If you don't know who you are, then you're going to have symptoms of that, correct? So for generation, for many generations, if you would, it seems we are living in a time, or our generation, that we're living in a time of great darkness for our generation right now. I need to correct this right now. There, sometimes I type too fast. We're living in a time that seems to be darkness. There seems to be a lot of darkness in the earth. There seems to be a lot of people not listening to Father, if you would. Uh, We call, a lot of people say, there's a whole bunch of evil people in control of the world and they use evil and in the truest sense of the word, there are a lot of evil people, they're restless. They have not entered into Father God's rest. And so darkness would be blinded to spiritual truth, right? And that's why I always say, what we need in the political system, if we're gonna need a political system, is righteous minded people that are awakened to spiritual truth. And every decision they make is the blessed people, right? So the final step into light, the final step into light uh, of this season of darkness is the dawning of a new day. And we believe we are. Some people call it the Aquarius, the age of Aquarius. And many times in the past, people said it was the age of Aquarius, but it wasn't, you know. And I hope that 80 years from now people will say, well, Roy Richmond said it's AIDS of Aquarius, it really wasn't. But I believe there's a tremendous turning from darkness to light in the earth today. When all humans' uh, means of deliverance, if you would, have failed. Human-minded people have all kinds of ways of trying to deliver us and to help us. And we have psychologists and psychiatrists, and we have drugs, and then the church has all kinds of deliverance ministers, everything, everything in the world to deliver people, they failed. And the only source that we're gonna have left is the turn within, right? When everything else we thought was gonna be our, our uh, salvation or whatever has failed. And it's sad that people have to get to that. And then they're gonna to have to turn within to where our help is. Joel, I mean, uh, Job said, my help comes where? From within. Job, But see, Job came to the end of everything that he thought, and he came to the end of all of what his friends said to him. We could say his different preachers said he needed to do, and he came to the end of that, and he realized, you know what? My help's from within. I don't need you guys. Leave me alone. Get away from me. And that help is contact with the divine mind. And I know people are probably getting tired of me saying it, but it's the truth. And we, we, we love it, we think it's cool, but then we go right back around to our own life. You know, we come in here on Sunday morning and listen to our teachers, or, you know, whenever you listen on Facebook, and that's become the new church world, I guess. Uh, but then we just go right back around our own life, and we get in trouble, and we, get, we hear things, and we get scared, and people get diagnosed, and all that. And that tells you you're really not staying in contact with Father. And that's why we have to cast down vain imaginations constantly because when Paul said that, it's present progressive because he knew we would have to continue to do that until we become proficient of not even receiving those vain imaginations. What's a vain imagination? Thinking you can do something to make yourself better. That's a vain imagination. Thinking you can do something to please God, right? And we were all taught that. We needed to tithe. We needed to pray a bunch, you know, fast. I had a conversation with somebody about fasting the other day, and he believes that we're supposed to fast, you know, and you don't need to fast to get God to do anything. So when we say, when we stay in contact with Father, our divine mind, the freeing power is set into activity. You know, if, if I if I put an electric plug in contact with that electric cord, and there's a fan up there, then that power... Converts into activity and the fan begins to turn and then the blades are bent a certain way that it produces air And then it hits me in the face and cools me down. That's a lot of activity isn't it that goes on and So that's what we need to happen. So literally this activity is the path that leads to light a more clear Understanding because if I listen to the divine mind, I know all things. There's nothing. I don't know Correct. That's what scripture says we have an unction. We have a union with the Holy One. So under what Jesus taught and revealed in which we're living today, I believe, these physical experiences are not necessary. I, I, I my, my real need is not for my body to be healed. Physically healed. My real need is not for my knee to be better. My real need is not to win the lottery to have all kinds of money. My real need is to stay connected to the divine mind which will lead me and guide me every day where i need to be what i need to do what i need to say and then i'll know that everything else that's required will be there and it has been and it always is whatever is required is there i mean i'm at 65 years old i was planning on working part-time and taking it, taking some time, but also needing to earn money because I felt like we wasn't really earning enough money for me to quit. Although I knew that father was my supply, but then my body began to suffer some things, and I ended up not being able to work at all. Maybe a couple little cells here and there, and then uh, when I turned 70 last May, they told me that they wanted me to go ahead and retire. But you know what? We haven't lacked one penny. In fact, our checking account savings balance has gone up. Had not down. And every month, it's just, whatever's needed, it's there. Well, it's, it's higher than it was at that time. My realest wife, (laughs) but I'm just saying there, we we hadn't, we not one time thought, Oh my gosh, we're not going to make it because we know that there is a true supply. And it's not just that I have all the money that I need, but I have everything that I need and it's always going to be there. And the light's shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And the more the light shines, the more we're going to live out of it because the light is shining on that which is good and, and edifying, right? And we want that. And so I want that understanding. and I want to experience everything that Father says that we have. And that's what it means by the truth will make you free. It'll cause you to experience it. So in closing here, I just want to say, uh, those who have learned to put their faith in Father's faith and stay in contact, keep their faith toward the light regardless of the appearance, regardless of what it looks like. They're learning to pass from one state of consciousness to another. That's from glory to glory, he's changing you. The word glory means appearing, the full way. And so with little or no disturbance whatsoever, to the point that there's no disturbance, we just stay in this calm state. So they've learned to make practical to the use of the divine law, to walk unafraid of the waters, and untried by the seas of thoughts. Don't be afraid of the waters because they won't affect you, and don't be concerned about the thoughts that are coming into your mind because they're coming from Father, and their thoughts are good. And so I say, I, I put some names down. I'm sorry if I don't say all your names, but I don't have time to say all the names of the 5,000 people on my Facebook list. But I, I say to Vicki Khan, I say to Douglas Thomas, to Carol Misage. Monica Jones, Terry Spencer, Linda Strauss, Melissa Rimple, Clark Bucknell, uh, Marcia perkins Hano, Jerry Beck, Mary Howe, Glenda Dutton, Sandy Schaefer, Fairchild, Robert Davis, Joan Johnson, Ann and Carl Smith, Robert Ford, Rita Hall, uh, uh, Rita Campbell, and Butch Hodge, and all the rest of you, do you know that you are our son of God? Do you know that you're a daughter of Father God who can stay in contact with Father constantly and stay away from the great religious lie? Do you know that you can see clearly now? Do you know that you can speak perfection over all people and every element of this earth? Do you know that you walked where great messengers have walked and you are the face of our Father? Do you know that when you speak with a clear sounding word as the voice of one, Those who were once not able to understand will now hear you and will be able to speak the truth themselves, and they will be able to walk above the turmoil of the cosmos. Do you know that you exist perfectly as the image of Father God, as a dear son and daughter? You are the body of the great I exist, and you exist today. Do you know that? Amen. Case said, the word glory is also the view and opinion of Father. Amen. That's what I want to believe. Don't you? Goosebumps. Huh? Mm-hmm. Did you get goosebumps? That's good. So Mary knew all these things. They need to somebody needs to redo that song and say, Do you know? That do you know that you're the face of God? Do you know that you walk? Huh? You need to type that on a piece of paper so we can hand it out to people. Okay, I will do that. I'll type that out for you. So uh, it is 1127, so I'm not going to go any further. So next week, and I forget who it was that asked me to share again on, on, on Virgin and a Son of God. So next week uh, after Christmas, I will, I will share that again. So hope you'll all come to that. And uh, once I get this edited, this chapter, if any of you would like that, wait a week. Wait until after next week if you would like me to email you this chapter in a word document i'll be happy to do that for you cuz i know I shared a lot but i love all of you every one of you and if i miss your name i'm sorry you're included in that but i just uh, speak that you're going to have a perfect christmas celebration with your family and uh, everybody will be whole uh, don't be afraid of the coronavirus be respectful for people with people and if people want you to wear a mask around them do it yeah, I think Jesus would because He meets them where they're at. I don't think we have to do what Jesus did, but we do need to function out of that nature. And uh, I, I speak that the, the answer is coming to this, and it's going to go away. And this, we're going to out of this, we're going to become a better nation, and uh, we're going to have people that's going to rule out of righteousness. And that's what I'm looking for. We love you. Thank you. Thank you, Kay. Thank you, Cecil. Have a good day. Bye bye.